Welcome to the Who Do You Think You Are podcast, exploring the universe of underrepresented Jewish histories and stories. In this episode, we're off to Turkey via Dalston and the stage to meet Philip Arditi. Philip is an actor, writer, theatre maker and voiceover artist from Istanbul, now based in London. He trained as an actor at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and first became known for his portrayal of Uday Hussein in House of Saddam on BBC HBO. Philip was also part of the founding team of the Arcola Theatre and is currently on the steering committee of Mina Arts UK. My co-host Penny Rabiger and I spoke to Philip at the end of November 2023 and after we'd recorded... Philip reflected that this conversation really helped him to understand where the Jewish strands of his story and identity came together, having mostly explored it through art before. So as you listen, you'll hear him thinking out loud and making sense not only of his family's history in Istanbul, but also the violence of a repressive state and of anti-Semitism. What is glorious is how Philip has woven these strands through his creative work as an artist and activist and artivist enabling oppressed groups to find strength and common purpose on stage and on the page. Okay, here we go, into the universe with Penny and me, asking Philip Arditi, who do you think you are? Hi Philip, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hello, my name is uh, Philip Arditi. Um... That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Where do you live, Philip? Where do we okay. find you? Yes, a bit more. I uh, I live in Peckham. I live in South London, uh, nice. which is where I am now. Um, originally, I'm from Turkey. I uh, I come from. Uh, I grew up in Istanbul. I come from Istanbul. Uh, I grew Big up city boy then. Big city boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. big city boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> London's a village for us. Uh, it really is. I swear to God, people who come to visit me, hang out with me in Peckham, from Istanbul, they're always surprised at how small it all feels and kind of quite calm and everything. Uh, yeah, that's kind of in sharp contrast to where I grew up, uh, which was not far from the Bosphorus, um, mm -hmm. to give it a slight um, exotic feel, uh, uh, in the Jewish community of, of Istanbul. And uh, I've been here, God, more than 20 years. Um, I'm kind of very settled here now, and I've got two kids and a family and... and um, uh, yeah, and I've really always been in London. Uh, when I first arrived, I spent, I, mean, uh, I suppose my life in London could be split into two. The first part is the Hackney part, and mm -hmm. the second part is the Peckham part. <laughs> <laughs> both sides of the river, come on, that's pretty both good. Not sides everyone does the, that. Both, that's right, both east, you know, one uh -huh. uh, one northeast, one that southeast. And, you know, uh, uh, so I, uh, I suppose one was, you know, very much... Uh, involved and in and about the Turkish speaking community in the first sort of 10 years of my life here. And, and then, you know, we ended up moving down south. And so that's, uh, that's been the last 10 years. Cool. I was born in Hackney, lived in North London. And then when I went to the States for a couple of years and I came back and I moved to Peckham oh, and right. no one came to see us. I was always traveling up, but I, I, 
I went from, you know, not understanding South London at all to really loving it. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. consider myself, actually, me and my partner, we consider ourselves doubly uh, double migrants. We first migrated to, to, to Hackney, which was really became our actual home. And then we had to migrate out of that down to Peckham, which sort of is still becoming, it's still in the way of, I mean, it's, we feel very happy here, but, uh, but then there's, you know, lovely community, but uh, somehow we can't shake that feeling of, uh, so, of yeah. having been exiled from second time. <laughs> it's so interesting that North-South divide, because I also grew up in North London and then lived, left home and lived for a year in Camberwell. And also no one came to visit me. And I was so poor that I used to cycle uh, everywhere. I was like, you know, 18. And so I used to cycle regularly from Camberwell to visit friends in like northwest London. Yeah, it would take yeah. hours and hours and then cycling back in the freezing cold in the middle of the night. But that was the only way to get them to cross to cross over. So it's, it's mm. yeah, I love that story of your migration. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Forced yeah. migration. Forced due to second... gentrification i know exactly and and i mean when we first moved to the when we first moved to hackney it was really i mean the, that overground was four times an hour uh, uh, an hour i think you know yeah. down to hybrid and lislington most of the time it didn't work so it was it felt like a slightly different place you know and definitely mm-hmm. uh, i mean i remember there was not a single bar i moved there in 2000 i think and um uh, mm-hmm. Probably for the first four or five years, there was not a cafe or a bar and nothing really. It was, it was quite, uh, quite. Is that what forced you to the stage? To to to, to be on stage, you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, there was it, no no bars, so uh, I didn't need so to. So we uh, must we must perform. We yeah. must perform. <laughs> actually, actually, uh, I uh, the thing that took me to uh, to Dalston was was a theatre. Yeah, I mean, a friend of mine, uh, the Arcola Theatre, which yeah. I was. I was uh, I was part of the founding of uh, together with some uh, other Turkish friends, Turkish and also Kurdish, uh, and so when we set that up it, in two thousand and one, we opened the theatre. It was really felt really did feel like a bit of an oasis in the hmm. desert, and people did walk into the bar as if it was an oasis in the desert. It was very interesting because you know almost from day one and without fail every day somebody who'd lived in Stoke Newington for the last 20 years, an artist often, you know, a designer or a visual artist or an actor or a writer would walk in and go, oh my God, you guys are here. We've been here 25 years and, you know, and, and there was a sense of sort of meeting each other across, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, after a very long time. And then it was really kind of warm atmosphere where people really o- o- offered their services and sometimes that kind of, uh, 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 that led to something sometimes it didn't and they were just audience members but yeah that was the early sort of you know first five years of, of the Arcola Theatre were were really um, really felt like uh, uh, we were sort of outside town and sort of a bit isolated and on the outside nice. but drawing the other outsiders to you the other outsiders that's right it was a bit of a fringe kind of sense we're mm. on the fringes of the city mm. and people are sort of gathering on the outside and then of course everything completely completely changed and and you know dawson suddenly became the center of things and whereby some friends from turkey i would come to visit london and end up in a bar in dawson and that was <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I mean, not not with my recommendation or anything. You know, it was just it was a place to go. It was a place to go. It, it was yeah. just it was really beyond me when I sort of saw these two friends from the community. They weren't particularly close friends of mine. They were from the uh, uh, I knew them through the through the community, and, and they were sitting in Dalston Superstore, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead to Dalston. Yes, eventually. <laughs> Philip, who do you think you are? Um, yeah, it was really exciting thinking about this because it's probably not something that I think about very often and maybe that does say something about um, my Jewish identity. Um, I've kind of struggled with an answer to this question, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, my Jewish identity really is lodged in, on the one hand, my upbringing and my memory and my community. Mm-hmm. And really the the deeply forming experience of being in uh, the Jewish community, growing up in the Jewish community of Istanbul. And really belonging to something which I felt I had a feeling about a consciousness was mm-hmm. kind of a special thing, I guess, you know, which was really great growing up with that feeling, essentially. Um, and for a long time, I would say when I came to London, I sort of moved away from that quite sharply. Perhaps mm. more recently, this has come back to me because I'm now writing stories and writing plays and I'm more engaged in a, a creative where I mean I, I'm an actor and I've always obviously been creative but but I've never really produced work mm-hmm. in the way mm-hmm. that I'm producing now and, and that's led me to really obviously think about the things that are very important to me and think about the people that I really want to talk to and that I want to ad- you know the issues that I want to address and the conversation that I really ultimately want to have to think really hard about what you know, if, if I had a finite amount of time, what mm-hmm. is the conversation I'd, I'd, I'd be wanting to have? And pretty much in everything I've done, I've come back to being my experience as a minority in Turkey mm. and my experience of um, being an outsider uh, in relation to the mainstream and my experience of being a Sephardi Jew. Mm. You're right where we we're right where this podcast is, or you know where this podcast wants to be, um, and it is teasing that out that with that this conversation seeks to do. But yeah, I'm really interested uh, to understand a bit more about what that experience of both growing up in in Istanbul, and then I guess the obvious question, which is how did that transition? What did you notice coming here? Well, it's probably worth starting by saying that I, because of the particular makeup of my family, perhaps I could say I grew up on the, even even slightly on the fringe of the Jewish mm-hmm. community. And I didn't have quite a, a uh, quite a mainstream, quote unquote, sort of experience within the community. My mum uh, grew up in Switzerland herself. I mean, she's from a Turkish Jewish family, but she grew up in Switzerland and came later on and, Something, I suppose, about my dad's experience, even though he's very much from the community, uh, led me to to have 
to be on slightly on the fringe of it, I mm -hmm. would say, you know, the school I went to, I went to a state school, state primary school, which is quite unusual for a Jew in Turkey. Right. Yeah. And, uh, at, uh, sorry, I should correct that. I went, it's, it's unusual in the, in, in as much as most Jews in Istanbul would go to particular state schools. And gotcha. I went to one that wasn't like that. So I was yeah. the only Jew in my school, essentially, the only Jew in, in my in the whole of my state school, state mm -hmm. primary, which was which really, I think, probably shaped me from mm -hmm. the very, very, very beginning. Uh, and both my parents went to uh, to um, primaries that had um, a big, a, a, a high number of Jews, if not Jews, Armenians or mm -hmm. uh, Greeks, you know, so um, other minorities. Uh, that wasn't really my experience. I, I, I mean, I was the only uh, Jew and probably maybe even the only non-Muslim in, uh, okay. um, in, in my primary, which is quite unusual, probably. And so that kind of got me off to a start whereby I really had a life outside the community, a social life, you know, mm -hmm. and that continued into secondary school. And even though I then attended the kind of regular community club that everybody went to, and there's about three or four of them in, in, in Istanbul. And, you know, it's like Saturday club in some evenings, they've usually got a building, there's drama, there's sort of newspaper, and there's also what's called a group which is like a kind of education jewish education mm -hmm. and there's groups of about 10 or 12 of you in each sort of year or in each group and then you you will go every saturday to someone else's house to one of those 12 people's house which will host the kind of session and an older member of the uh, club will come and sort of give give you essentially what's a Jewish, what's a, a social a social Jewish education. It's not a religious education at all, a completely social Jewish education. And so I got that uh, from the age of about 12 till 16. I got quite mm. involved in the security end of that. Uh, at one point later in my teens, I was kind of because that's what you had to do in Turkey, uh, act as a sort of a security guard for the mm -hmm. club, sometimes for the synagogue as well, um, which thinking back on it now was probably quite wild, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come to be uh, going, you know, not following the route that most Jewish children did come to be the only Jewish child in your school? Was that a decision by your parents or was it another kind of escaping gentrification type constellation of events um i'm not entirely sure how why that happened i think that must be to do with my dad i i, I imagine that's to do with my dad even though he's entirely seeped in the in, in the community uh, he's quite a what how should i say a, a turcophile or something mm -hmm. you know i mean mm -hmm. he's he's very engaged in in you know he himself also even though he's got a very wide kind of social life within the community he actually also had a very wide social life outside the community and perhaps it was something to do with his wish for me to to have a more uh, integrated hmm. education hmm. i'm taking a guess i never asked him hmm. i should uh, it, it interests me particularly also because then you said about um, you know, being interested in the security side of things. And yet that experience of being the only Jew and how a lot of the, for a lot of people, a lot of the Jewish experience is this kind of being told that there's safety in numbers. 
and um, you know that you 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 need to cluster to to feel safety. So then I'm interested also in this. You're being drawn to the notions around keeping other Jews safe, although you had presumably moved through school in that situation without too much I think maybe <clears throat> it was just a, a bit of a boyish thing to do right. you know there was also that element <laughs> but I mean you know it is I think thinking back on it it's quite astonishing like in this club that I went to we had an an a sort of an antechamber where sort of a group of people walks in first and then that door is shut there is a sort of bulletproof glass where mm. people where you sort of make sure that everyone that has walked into the the kind of uh, antechamber are part of the club and then the second door is it is then re opened and released, you know, and then people can go inside and the same as they go outside. And, and, and when I was growing up, it was quite, uh, you know, leaving the synagogue, we had to say after a bar mitzvah or, or after an event where there were many people in the synagogue, you'd have to do it, to do it um, quickly or in batches, you know, so as not to have a huge a uh, hundred people out in the street at once, etc. So the, 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 <clears throat> those were, you know, very, um, uh, um, very pertinent and very powerful experiences for me, probably. And I was very, probably always very aware of that. But having gone to a state school, definitely, I probably had uh, perhaps maybe more of an ability to assimilate or to pass to passes, maybe. I mean, not pass because of my name. Actually, I have a middle name called I. It's Isaac is my middle name, and often in Turkish uh, environments, I would use my middle name, uh, which would be Ishak, which mm. I'm now sort mm. of using sometimes. Actually, I'm sort of reclaiming a little bit at the moment. But yeah, so basically, maybe I did have a. There was a sense that I could pass for a mm. Turk. White, white passing, you'd say it here. It would be, I don't know, Turk passing or Turk something. Passing. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, white, white Turk. I mean, there, there is a uh, thing called white Turk. The people who live in the West have sort of, are called kind of white Turks, I suppose. That's the equivalent. Mm. <laughs> it sounds like there was a, quite a rich and developed approach to bringing people into the community and holding them close. That sound, I mean, it sounds, quite lovely on one level um visiting getting to see other other families and doing that it, it was that your experience of it was it was it quite a warm and um open experience or am i projecting what i feel like i missed <laughs> yeah um it was it was it was definitely warm yeah mm. there's no mm. doubt about it and there was mm. there was really and i'm sure that sort of continues to what it, to, to some extent um it was really, yeah, it was really a community. I, I suppose there was a lot of fear and maybe I was a little plugged into that at times. So not always did it feel entirely uh, whole, you know, encompassing for me because, as I said, I had a slightly fringe experience to that. So I was always slightly on the outside of it. And maybe the club I ended up in, uh, which was the club that my dad had gone, wasn't entirely suited to my artistic temperament and the sort of creative energies, because, you know, because there's sort of the, the clubs themselves have, sli have slightly different kind of uh, feels to them as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, definitely, I think it was, yeah, there's no doubt that it was it was it was a a warm and and sort of enclosed atmosphere but i i think what i'm trying to say is that i 
don't think we ever forgot or nobody in that in that in the in the community ever forgot that we were somehow in a hostile environment hmm. that's in somehow a hostile environment yeah that's i'm not sure i have a clear enough sense of the history and the experience of the jews in istanbul to give a context for that fear were there were there particular activities or particular reasons for that or was that just a general sense of discomfort and fear uh no uh, there was always a real uh, acts of antisemitism that you could uh, you could place that uh, you, you know you that the, the fear was originated for, from both in history many many times you know pogroms until fairly recently um you know i mean there, there were about three or four major events in the 20th century in turkey that impacted the community deeply um the 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 biggest one let's say the two biggest ones hmm. uh was the first one was during the second world war a tax called uh, the existence or wealth tax called varlık vergisi was imposed on the turkish on the turkish jewish population and this tax was uh, huge amounts essentially enormous amounts of money that nobody really could uh, realistically pay as a result many men had to go to working camps in the north of turkey uh, some people i think i mean i'm not, i don't have a very detailed knowledge of it i think some people died there but not deliberately killed simply because of the conditions mm. so that that was a, quite a, had a big impact on the community uh, and that was overall i think something the government chose to do to uh, express their rapprochement with germany Uh, as a result of which some people think i think uh, posit that Ger- as a result of which germany didn't um, I- um, invade turkey and that perhaps uh-huh, uh-huh. eventually uh, ensured the some kind of safety mm-hmm. um that's a sort of an argument i don't know how true it is sorry right, this uh, isn't a history podcast this yes, is just yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. you, you know, yeah. no one's testing you gone. on your yeah, yeah, yeah. historical knowledge <laughs> it's that's just how of, yeah. you know how, that's how, my, you that, fe- how you felt it exactly that's that's, yeah, that's yeah. my that's exactly that's how it's yeah, come yeah. down to me let's say exactly yeah. and the second yeah. one which i think i definitely carry a generational generational trauma of is events of uh, 6 7 september in in the mid 50s uh, there was quite a big pogrom which was actually directed towards greeks but affected all non-muslims and jews also particularly and it and it was a pogrom which was actually generated or sparked by the government and by the state itself by elements of the deep state particularly so uh, a bomb was placed in ataturk's house in in thessaloniki and that sparked uh, you know popul- the population to sort of come into Uh, from the outskirts into the center of Istanbul and ransack <clears throat> mainly greek because the objective of it was to sort of get rid of or, or get rid of more greeks you know uh, but it affected jews enormously and my dad particularly you know who had to hide for the whole night and he was i think something like 10 and, and that was an experience that really um, really marked my family and families that were close to me very you know close families had shops on the main high street you know i don't know clothes shops which were completely ransacked etc and yeah the, the, so it was a proper pogrom uh, you know that one was um 
So yeah, so those things are really present, were really present when I was growing up, really, really, really present. You know, my dad always had sort of a fear of crowds, you know, mm. which led to me not being able to go to some concerts, you know, and things like that. It was always, yeah, it was always, you know, so, so, and that's, I think that's, you know, that's for everybody in the community, you know, people are just sort of want to keep to themselves and mm. know that it's not a good idea to kind of rear their heads to too much or make too much of a presence and you know um yeah that's that's kind that's that's a that's a hugely formative experience yeah, and there was there was there was another event which kind of in the in the 20s a young woman was uh, stabbed by uh, the son of a, a pasha who wanted her hand in marriage and she refused to give it uh, and he was a bit mad and he he stabbed her in the middle of the street and they left her body uh, exposed for for several hours as a result of which the jewish community went out to uh, to protest and that uh, you know or her funeral actually turned into mm -hmm. a sort of protest uh, and the community was severely uh, punished for for that and so that was the last time the community uh, made uh, <laughs> made made its um, displeasure known about uh, anti-Semitism. It's so interesting how these these kind of intergenerational formative experiences get passed down, yeah. and they're I think they're so integral also to the kind of universal Jewish experiences. These these kind of you know, we always say there's 2,000 years of evidence, right? And so we pass on that more recent evidence. And it, and I think you're demonstrating how it's kind of that kind of racialized or ethnic background has shaped your identity. So how does your racial ethnic background shape your identity now like what is you have to kind of reform right in relation to the environment that you perceive yourself to be in now um yeah i, I mean i definitely i'm not sure this is quite an answer to your question but i'm definitely i definitely moved here i definitely moved here because i'm called philip and i found it difficult to have to explain that i'm jewish every time i met somebody Right, and that this I felt was a kind of barrier uh, to conduct my everyday life. Mm. Uh, that's there's no doubt about that. No, I, Philip is a it's a sort of a Greek name, and uh -huh, my uh -huh. mom's family come from uh, Crete, yes. and so it's a sort of a remnant of that. It's also a name that they liked, but it's a name that clearly marks me out as not Muslim anyway. And so, even though I did often use Isaac, my second name, in, in those environments, there was a sense that my full name sort of betrayed my foreignness, and that was mm. I mean, foreignness. You see, it's not even a foreignness, but I think. <laughs> a perceived foreignness let's say you know so i think that was a thing that perhaps i did want to get away from and there was a sense that you know in turkey i would never really be able to uh to you know be mainstream i suppose you know mm -hmm. I, I think in in return having come here <laughs> the bitter realization was that 
you know, I, I was, I will never be able to be mainstream anywhere. You know, <laughs> That's, that, that, was, that, was, that was a bit of a shock, you know, uh, and, uh, and I can definitely not pass white pass or English pass here, you know, partly because of my accent a little bit because of how I look and, and, and generally because of, I suppose of the way I am. So that was something that continued in, in, in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and you said also, um, you were explaining to people that you were Jewish. Who were you explaining that to and and why? Like when you came here, did you search for a Jewish community to belong to? Did you look for your people or was it was the focus on? Yeah, it's just interesting because you also you said you moved to hack to a kind of Turkish environment, you know, where you would land not completely without some kind of North Star. Yeah, I mean. I'll be totally honest. I, um, I, I never really felt I had a strong connection to Jews outside mm-hmm. of Turkey. That's that's just the truth, and that's mm-hmm. probably going to hurt. <laughs> it might hurt some people to hear that, but but I just didn't. You know, I, that was the truth. So when I came here, and I knew some Jews here, but to me, they were English. That's just yeah. the truth, you know, that's what they were. And so really the people that I connected with were the people that had a similar formative experience to me, which was essentially one of being oppressed by the Turkish nation state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was, that was, I think, my, the, I've thought a lot about this and, and the deep, the, the, the real, having gone to the, that, prim, that state primary school, I think that I, I could say that my, my most marking experience is one of my relationship to the state, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the state related to me, uh, me as a as a sort of foreign agent, so to speak, because I was Jewish, but it was really a powerful experience, you know, um, and and I think I now or later in my life I've become closer and closer and was have been able to to really feel. Um, you know, a, um, um, uh, a closeness to people who have that kind of experience. And, and that those are generally people who are minorities from Turkey. So that could be an Armenian or a, a, um, a, a Orthodox Greek or a Kurdish person. And I found that in Hackney. And that so that was really a home for me, you know, because it was composed that community is composed of a lot of people who have gotten away from Turkey and who've who've been on the much sharper end of the state's mm. violence. You know, I mean, I only experienced uh, how, what, I don't know what it's called, soft violence. You know, like violence in when you go and get your passport or your ID card or when you bureaucratic did, bureaucratic violence, exactly obst- yeah, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing, those kinds of things. You know. And obviously in in Hackney, there's also some, some much ha- harsher experiences within the Kurdish community. And I think that's that's where I felt uh, at home. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really interesting. Yeah, and that led to the Arcola Theatre in some ways. I'm not the only Jew that's sort of done that journey. I mean, now many more people have arrived in the last three, four years because of the current mm. regime. But... 15, 20 years ago, there were there was, you know, a few left-wing progressive kind of Jews that came from from Turkey and sort of ended up in, in you know, in, in a similar um, environment. Generally, the Turkish Jewish community is not left-wing, <laughs> just to, to say the least. Um, 
overall, it's it wants to side with the status quo. It wants to keep away from trouble. It wants to hide, I suppose, you know, and that's totally, uh, completely understandable. That's kind of that's a bit of a bit of an issue for me on on many levels. But and, and it is being questioned by younger Jews today. There are some formations that that challenge the community and the community's attitude. In, in relation to that, but overall, that's just the character of the community, you know, and that's understandable. You know, there's a lot of fear, and they're trying to just sort of get by and, you know, be safe. Now, how do you do? Like, what? <laughs> how does it find? How does it find expression? Because now you're a parent. You know, you're yeah. you're, you're living in. <laughs> In South London, it's you know a lot's changed, and yeah. and maybe you're exploring a little bit more, as you said, you're exploring kind of what are your formative experiences and how have you become you. So how do you do? <laughs> I love that question. Um, how do I do? I, I don't. Know. I mean, I, I I I suppose I think a lot about these things. <laughs> I'm a bit of a thinking Jew, you know. I'm sort of, you know, uh, 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 it's in my mind a lot, particularly because I'm kind of writing a lot. I actually wrote a play that takes place in the community, you know. Uh, so that's a big part of my Jewish practice, really. Uh, another big part, I suppose, uh, is obviously through my children. Yeah, I mean, that sort of come back now, inevitably, uh, I think about uh, the high holidays. I mean, you know, also, strictly speaking, when I was growing up, it was, you know, we were not Orthodox Jews, we're conservative Jews, but not Orthodox Jews. So we we wouldn't really go to the synagogue on Fridays, but on definitely on high holidays. And it's a very social practice, you know, and definitely every every high holiday would be a synagogue, synagogue visit. Um, and now I suppose I'm trying to mark those for the kids, try to rediscover it anew. Um, you know, it, it's also a really, really interesting journey that I've gone on in relation to uh, high holidays and to religious holidays. And they're their connection to the change of seasons and the sort of, you know, the sort of the movements of the year. And and that being with my partner, who is from the north of Italy and who from the big, who has always had a stronger connection to those things, or at least it, I, I suppose, I suppose who always had a, a more natural and understanding and meaningful and wholesome connection to what the meaning of those things, you know, not to the religious aspect of it, to, but to what they really mean. I had to kind of rediscover those things uh, with her here. I think there's something particular to the Turkish Jewish community, which, which, uh, sorry, I think there's something that's particular to Turkey that affected the Turkish Jewish community, which is that in 20, 1923, when the Republic was founded, it was a very sharp s s cut from, from, from the, uh, the history that came before, from mo moving from a sort of a, a, a kind of a religious to a secular state. And in that severance, is it is that right word, severance? And in that severance, uh, it was the kind the, the kind of practice the kind of practice or the kind of meaning of religious holidays that related to i suppose here you would say paganism or or the mm -hmm, kind of the, mm -hmm. the yearly kind of cycles mm -hmm. was also lost mm -hmm. and that's the case i think for most communities in turkey 
you know. I mean, maybe that's changing now, but we sort of associated that with religion and moving into a secular republic, we kind of cut that off. So I, I mean, I, I, my experience was that people in Turkey didn't really ever link the religious, religious holidays to those kind of, uh, you know, nature, natural cycles. Yeah. And that, I think that goes for the Turkish Jewish community as well. Yeah. So do, do you have a connection to the British Jewish community in any way, whatever that is? Not, different ways of being? Not really. I mean, I have a lot of connections uh, as, a, as an actor and as a theatre person, you know, in the Jewish, uh, in the, the Jewish, um, the um, Jewish theatre makers, you know, and, and what with the movements more recently of people sort of gathering around their uh, uh, communities related to their identities, uh, I've obviously been affected by that. And I actually you know, I'm part of running a, a, a Middle Eastern, North African and surrounding region artists and creatives collective support network. And within that, there are quite a few Jews who are also from these MENA countries. Mm-hmm. And and so that's kind of a, a, new, a new grouping that's sort of shaped and formed. And we find some kind of co- common things amongst ourselves. But overall, no, I don't really have a, a very strong uh, relationship to the British Jewish community. As I said, that never really went away. I mean, I know people. I've got even sort of family, I suppose, part of it, which I love. But, but, I, but I—that's just—I've um, never really. Um, yeah, it was very funny when I came here. Of course, I was never perceived as a Jew. I was always perceived mm. as a Turk. I went to Rada, you know, to train at drama school, and it was. I was a Turk before I was a Jew. It was, I think it was very difficult for people to perceive me as a Jew because I was, <laughs> you know, it was just like, that's just not something that people <laughs> had in mind. <laughs> and, and I looked at the, you know, the stunning list of roles that you've played and there's, you know, that, that, comes, that comes through as well, doesn't it? The kind of, I don't want to say typecasting, but there's... You just said it. I said it, and I don't know if that's rude. I don't know what the etiquette is because I'm completely out of my depth. I don't know. Yeah, there's no etiquette. That's that's just... Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've just said something really horrible and awful, but we can cut it out, and I can (laughs) apologise profusely if I have. But, but I, you know, I was just interested, like, what... Sometimes you can see how one is perceived by the, the roles that one... Absolutely, I think. That, I mean, yeah. big sigh of relief when you said that. I was like, oh, shit. "Did I wander into some awful?" What are you talking about? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, How dare you? Uh, no, no. Listen, uh, that's that's just been my experience, and I'm really, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, it is, and it's just interesting to be. For me, it's just interesting to explore it and to think about it and to. You know, I mean, there's some element of control I can have over it through my writing these days and, yeah. you know, et cetera, and to, through activism, through advocacy and sort of, you know, being part of these sort of representation groups, et cetera. But, but I mean, ultimately, that's just the experience. And I think that's, mm. um, uh, you know, uh, that's fine. That's just life. And that's been my life. And um, uh, 
And in a way, it's kind of been very interesting, you know, and I've really, really enjoyed being part of the shows and the kind of projects that I've been part of and being part of that kind of Middle Eastern, I suppose, community, you know, and I felt very, I feel very close to that community. And I think, um, and I think it's really exciting more recently that the community and you know, any global majority community is sort of, uh, it's, making an effort to take the reins in their hands and trying to tell their own stories, put themselves at the center and really own up to own their voice as much as, you know, and as much as the system allows and, and challenge, you know, the, the, the system and the mainstream, you know, to, to really yeah. listen to those complex voices, essentially, you know. Yeah. And, and also just relating back to what you said about, you know, you, you are Turkish, so you can reliably play a Turkish character, right? And and also you mentioned about, you know, possibly the reason why you went to the schools that you went to is because your father was very, you know, engaged and part of where, you know, the place where you lived and um, had community and were included, so... So in a way, it's like... So it's not Turk face. Are we allowed to... Can I do that? <laughs> when a Turk plays a Turk, that's okay. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, it's really... Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Uh, the kinds of impulses that the different generations in my family have to Turkey, the Turkish language and assimilation. And I think people change and move through their experience and through their years. So my grandma, her first language was Ladino, you know, which is the sort of uh, uh, Sephardi Jewish language, which is a remnant of the old Spanish, which is where Jews, Sephardi Jews came from. And she very much grew up in, I suppose, quote unquote, the, the Jewish community, the ghetto, you know, I mean, so she really, she really only had I don't even know if she had friends. She had family, you know. Uh, 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 you know, she had just... And if she had friends, they were definitely uh, Jews, you know. And she had a very typical kind of very sharp kind of uh, Jewish experience. My dad, in return, was born uh, at the end of the Second World War. And his exp he went to, you know, his experience... I think his first language is Turkish. Mm. It's sort of Ladino stroke mm. Turkish. But he's he's really rooted in in, in the in the Turkish language. He had he had one foot in the community for sure. He grew up in the community. Both his parents, you know, and uh, and spoke French fluently because a lot of the community were educated in French schools. Uh, uh, but but he grew up out of the of the community, you know, essentially, and and did business with the world. That's that's what people did, and had mm -hmm. lots of friends who were not Jews. And and then I think I suppose I'm the I'm the model down from that you know which is that I'm very much you know grew up more outside the community with a foot in the community you know and my first language definitely is is, is Turkish and also French a little bit because my uh, because of the same reason you find yourself in these conversational uh, journeys where they bring you to interesting stopping points like wow what did happen there and we'll not know because some of it is history right and and also the choices is, is so interesting because i'm now thinking about our family names and how also my family changed their name from cohen to cowan to mm. kind of try to be a bit more english rooted 
But it's interesting, the choices of our forebears and whether that draws you in or pushes you out and what's considered to be, you know, which which is the direction and how sometimes we kind of claw back towards mm. our Judaism yeah. or Jewishness. Can I just go back? I want to just connect a few things. How often were you cast where you weren't casting? How often were you cast as a Jew? Well, have you ever been cast as a Jew? I Would have. you be? Ah, okay, cool, cool. Um, yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, not not a huge amount, but yeah, I have definitely. You know, uh, um, not a lot. There was a time when I was I did a lot of shows at the, at the national, and uh, I was always playing the Afghan uh, warlord or the sort of Azerbaijani kind of refugee, and then they called me for the rabbi in the Holy Rosenbergs, and I was like, oh my god! And of course, it made sense because I suppose at one level the rabbis can be slightly from uh, the outside, and so I did this wonderful show, which I really had a you know, which was an amazing experience for me uh, by. Um, uh, by a wonderful playwright called uh, Ryan Craig called The Holy Rosenbergs when I played the rabbi. And that was really the sort of, and it's a beautiful play about this uh, sort of North London Jew whose one son dies fighting for the IDF and whose daughter is a lawyer for a kind of um, big, uh, working for a big kind of human rights lawyer, making mm. a, a, writing a report about Israel's war crimes and, and it sort of takes place on the eve of of um, the son's funeral, and it sort of all blows up in the family. It's a wonderful piece of writing, and I play the rabbi in that, and I really enjoy doing that. Um, but but yeah, that but you know maybe one or two other things, but yeah, not a lot, not a lot, you know, yeah. not a lot at all. You know, mostly mostly it's sort of um, been sort of Middle Easterns. Yeah, it's strange how. Uh, you know, the whole idea of Jew face seems to be an Ashkenazi, North, uh, like a Brooklyn Jewish sounding looking, Ashkenazi yeah. looking Jew. That's, that's what Jew face is, is talking, you know, like shrugging your shoulders a lot, yeah, and yeah. rising, rising your sentences at the end already and all that. This, this whole Yiddish, uh, thing, that's Jew. Yeah. And that's what other, you know, other non-Jews can do. You know, whether it's uh, Al Pacino, was it called Nazi Hunter or something? Construct of what, Jew, Jew, you know, of what a Jew is. And it's not necessarily one that I grew up with or half my family. It was vaguely recognizable, but, you know, it's a very much a construct. So when someone like you comes along with a whole Jewish identity, who, which is not from that background, it's a disconnect for, I guess it's a disconnect for casting people and for people who are presenting to audiences, I guess. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And I mean, also, that's my experience. I mean, you know, when I, I mean, I don't know, it was the, I grew up with American culture a little bit, but the whole, I mean, and of course I knew about Woody Allen, and, but I mean, that's just, I never considered them to be, to be the same as me. You know, I just never really, that never, that was never a thing. You know, I, it wasn't like, you know, oh, those guys, I'm like those guys, or why am I not like, that wasn't, I, I had no relationship to me, essentially. You know, I was, uh, I think in that respect, I never really suf suffered, though, I suppose, as some people do from this sense of, you know, of the overbearing American Ashkenazi culture kind of presentation, okay. uh, you know, or even the humor and everything. It, it was just, it, I didn't really connect to that in any way. 
I mean, yeah, I suppose from a very early age, I don't know, that's probably put something particular to me. I, I, I knew, I had a sense that I didn't have a huge connection with a Jew from the other side, in the, uh, who's in the, uh, the other end of the world, you know, unlike my parents' generation who felt very connected with Jews from other countries. I, I didn't feel that big a connection. I felt a huge connection, though, with other minorities in Turkey, more than my parents did. And that came to a massive, uh, uh, you know, um, climax, I suppose, in twenty uh, in twenty thirteen during the protests of uh, Gezi Park protests uh, in Taksim Square, in, which I was part of, uh, and that was a real incredible, you know, coming together of progressives, you know, or minorities from all walks of life. And it was a real kind of expression of resistance and uprising against the oppressive Turkish state. Um, it started out as uh, this, uh, you know, they wanted to re regenerate this park uh, in the center of Istanbul, Gezi Park, into a shopping center in the shape of the Ottoman barracks, you know, and, and a group of environmentalists, sort of camping out there and then um all sorts of other kind of groups came and sort of protected them and the police moved in on them and then it grew and it grew in, in no time i think it was the 30th of may or, or something it sort of grew into a big kind of occupation of this park and uh and that was a real life-changing experience for me where i uh and for a lot of people of my generation in turkey where where we where i think for the first time, we were like, we're here, you know, and we are together and there is a solidarity and this experience, you know, isn't just confined to our communities and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that, that was really a really powerful experience of belonging, you know, and that I think, and I think that's significant personally for me that it was, it, it was beyond, it moved beyond the community. That was kind of quite a, quite an experience and it chimed with my kind of experience uh, the experience that i sort of developed in hackney uh, you know with kurdish or ter other turkish speaking kind of groups we will include show notes to link to that so I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i'll make sure that people can find out more because i think it's things that i guess doesn't always make the news over here but yeah. but we're aware of tensions understanding how those tensions play out is and how recent that is really important because I don't, you know, I think more and more we are understanding how important and how uh, nationalism in, in all of its forms in various countries, but definitely in Turkey, is having an effect on all of us. Mm. I'm going to do a massive handbrake turn now in our Go conversation <laughs> because you you might not know this, but we're a little bit food obsessed so i just <laughs> want to ask you like as jew what's on your plate uh yeah what's on my plate N some things not a lot but some things yeah and that's somewhat maybe related to the kids as well i forgot to mention it earlier on i i definitely there's a couple of things that are a sort of a regular kind of part of the menu in the house and the kids love. The first one is börekitas, which is essentially little pastries, the Turkish Jewish pastries, and they're really, really easy to make, <laughs> which does help. <laughs> and the kids absolutely love them. 
so that's one thing that sort of is a kind of what's regular. What's the filling? Come yeah, what's tell, the, tell filling? the filling? Well, we're intrigued. Actually, you can do whatever you want, but usually, you know, cheese and potato is one option, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, and uh, aubergine, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, in the oven cooked aubergine or or kozleme, as we say in Turkey. So you do it on a bit of fire and, you know, then you sort of peel it. Uh, together with feta cheese, obviously, you know, that's another option. You can also do courgettes and, um, uh, and, uh, um, and uh, carrots if you want. But yeah, my grandma did that. And, you know, it's about, it's kind of a very, it's a very, very obvious Turkish Jewish thing. And it's just really easy to make and the kids like it. So, so it's there. And the other thing that I really like is almadrote. I, I do quite fairly regularly, which is another kind of pastry, which with, again, with, you know, you can do it with courgette and, uh, uh, and, um, and carrots, um, uh, and cheese again. And you sort of just mix that with a bit of actually matzah. It would be, you know, it's the best thing to do it or, or with some stale bread is another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can sort of, you know, put that in the oven for not a long time and then, out it comes ready and easy to do for the kids and uh, all of that. But yeah, that's kind of my, um, my Sephardi kind of regular foods are those. Uh, and then I kind of often just generally cook Turkish food, to be honest, for, for myself and my partner. That's kind of the cuisine. Nice. Well, I mean, I think Penny and I both hoping were you kind of using this podcast as an excuse to make more delicious food and to discover stuff so you you've got our mouths watering definitely that's what's on my plate yummy on my jew plate (laughs) yummy what were the relationships like with the other faith communities in istanbul and what did you what would you like to know more about the history of that of those communities to understand how it was shaped in that way yeah i mean i don't know there's a real joyful solidarity i think and i i really carried that with me into into england you know and i really really enjoy that particularly in this the work that i do with minart uk which is this organization you know and i really i think thrive in 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 that world where people from different experiences essentially come together under different kinds of umbrellas of identity and i really yeah i really enjoy that and i suppose you know, there's some things that I feel about what's called, referred to as identity, identity politi- politics that can be a, li- a little limiting, but I really enjoy the idea of creating new and different kinds of connections on different kinds of umbrellas of various different groupings, you know, whether it's, oh, we are sort of MENA Jews, or now we are kind of this kind of other MENA group, or mm-hmm. maybe we're actors mm-hmm. like that, or creatives like this, you know. And I think I probably that goes back probably to to that kind of across community experience in Turkey, you know, where we where it was a real a real joy to kind of to kind of share in on each other's kind of practices. And yeah, I suppose I fortunately at the end of the day, all of that comes comes from uh, having been oppressed, you know, uh, equally or having been racialized in a similar way. At the end of the day, you know, that I suppose is is the origin of those things. And, you know, I I guess uh, we get I've gotten closer to other Middle Eastern kind of creatives here because we're racialized in a similar way. You know, Mm -hmm. we are seen 
in a in a similar kind of uh, light we seen you know so uh, or or we end up given these kinds of two dimensional parts which is kind of somewhat similar have very obvious kind of traits but that put aside once we're together i think the kinds of things that we can do is just uh, unlimited and i really I, i love that that's i really enjoy that essentially you know i really really like those kinds of different um different kinds of solidarities essentially nowhere is that more obvious than in the that building on brick lane you know which used to be that church or that current uh, mosque which used to be a, a a synagogue before which was a huguenot church wasn't i can't remember its name um and i did actually i did a play at the national many years ago which had i have some issues with called england people very nice but which uh, yes which 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 had some kind of um, questionable elements to it but it beautifully tracked the journey of huguenots coming to that street and taking over that building and then followed by uh, jews coming and then bangladeshis after then irish at one point also before you know so it was really it was really it was really yeah i think that's a that's a very very powerful story that even though i mean even though they don't necessarily communicate and this goes through goes through the ages they sort of occupy the same the same space you know and and at the end of the day and that's what i really somewhat prefer coming back to in everything it, it sort of comes back down to their relationship to the bigger structure to the state you know and where they are allowed to be everybody's always you know and that's 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 sort of always a similar experience in turkey as well you know um you know you really are limited to certain spaces to certain conversations to certain roles you know if you are of a certain background and and that's fundamentally the real dynamic isn't between the communities although that's very important but i mean the real dynamic the shaping dynamic is between that community and the bigger structure the state and how the mainstream essentially looks at you and that really is the shaping i you know that really is the thing that gives you your character i, I you know i don't completely ascribe to this thought but from very early on i had a very strong feeling that the stories that we were telling around the seder table you know at passover were for me a way of justifying our exclusion you know or and i know that's it's not a great thing to say all in all and I'm, i don't mean that there wouldn't be any judaism if there wasn't antisemitism but to a certain extent i realized that our culture really revolved around the idea of making what we had right yeah you know yeah. making the limited amount of space that we were given making the limited amount of possibilities that we had right and justified because i mean how how what else could they tell me they could yeah. my parents couldn't tell me this you know i mean it had to be it had to get a good spin you know it had to the story has to have a good spin otherwise you know what kind of a story is that you can't tell a, a bad story to your children that's just you know because then your children will say why are we here why didn't yeah. we get out you know yeah. let's just get out now if that's a problem but then no yeah. we are here because there is a good reason because it's a good idea because yeah. we thought that this is better than something else because we don't want to be somewhere else but ultimately i and maybe that's the part of the actor in me that just that just wants to be in the spotlight but but ultimately i think 
ultimately, I think people want to be mainstream or would rather be mainstream or would rather not have trouble, let's say, would rather not be excluded. <laughs> you know, Ultimately, people would rather their children to have all the opportunities that are given to any other children. You know, ultimately, I think people would would much rather not have trouble, you know, and 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 I think anything else that you are given for me is is just you know it, 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 you have to you know struggle with. Oh, amen, brother. Are there pieces or there are there creative works that people might want to tap into that you've been involved in? Yeah, I wrote a play that's about to be published i believe uh, in an anthology of um, plays called uh, uh, titled global jewish voices mm-hmm. and there's about five plays in there one of which is mine uh, and the other four are also uh, um, treating or bringing to page the sort of various jewish experiences from around the world um and I will, in April, uh, late April, be um, performing a piece that I co-wrote with a friend of mine, uh, which is the experience of being, it, it, talking about the experience of being in Shakespeare's Henry the Henry the Fifth, and that play uh, I co-wrote it, and I will be in it with my friend. is called English Kings Killing Foreigners. A showbiz comedy. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's 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 going to be at the Camden's People Theatre in the late April and the uh, first two weeks of May, I believe. The dates are penciled. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I would definitely urge people to look at this series, which is on Netflix, called The Club, which is, uh, there's two seasons of it now, I think. It tells the story of a part of the Turkish Jewish community. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's quite a beautiful series. It's, um, you know, it's, it's in Turkish and in Ladino. So they've made quite a great, good effort to kind of have a lot of people from the community in the, in, in the stories. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's fun. You know, you get a sense of what that community might've been like earlier in the 20th century. The picture of your of your childhood and the finding spaces in Istanbul is a is a is a beautiful one and not one that was not what that wasn't a Jewish experience in my head until mm. today and mm. these should be Jewish mm. experiences and thank you for sharing it I understand Jew better Philip yeah and I also just want to say the way obviously you're a playwright but the way that you've brought things to life and painted the picture. It was nice. It was like moving through little scenarios and scenes with you. It was really visceral and beautiful. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening (laughs) and inviting me. (laughs) Penny and I are super grateful to Philip for his time in talking to us and our conversation continued for quite a lot longer after we'd stopped recording, and then into email threads, exploring the themes we'd unearthed. And we are still talking. If you'd like to explore Philip's work, especially those tackling the themes he discussed with us, check the show notes for links to his writing and forthcoming shows. You can also read more about Turkey's Jewish history and how it connects with the other struggles of oppressed communities in that region. We also have links to recipes, definitions and some of the incredible creative groups Philip is involved with. 
We'll be keeping an eye out for Philip's next projects, and I hope you do the same. So far in the Who Do You Think You Are podcast, we've been to India, Tunisia, Iraq, Yemen, and we have episodes to come that will take us across the Sahel, from Mali to Ethiopia. But we've only scratched the surface of the diversity of Jewish histories. It's not just about geography and ethnicity, and there are so many versions of Jew that don't get seen or heard. So if you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you in 2024. You can reach out via the socials or the form, all of which are in the show notes. We'd love a review and a like. And if you can follow, we'd love a review and a like. And you can follow this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Please share us with family and friends, whether they are Jewish or just Jew curious, so we can continue to build bridges and, damn, do we need to find humanity in difference? Just like every other group, there is no homogenous Jewish culture or set of beliefs, just lots of intersecting lines. There are as many ways to be Jewish as there are Jews, not just in terms of religious observance, but also in terms of what food to eat and views on Israel and Palestine. We have a simple rule in this podcast, not to talk about current affairs, but it's hard at the moment when our thoughts and news stories are full of reasons to despair. However, we make sense of what's happening, seeking to exclude, simplify and assert purity or shut down dissenting voices only feeds the violence. Penny and I hope this is a safe space to explore complexity and ask the interesting questions. Most of all, we all hope for peace now. We don't take your ears for granted, so thanks so much for listening. Until the next time we ask, who do you think you are? Goodbye.